0: Inverse Genius Episode 6, Rocking the 80s. In this episode, Eric talks to Brian Counter about some great music you may have forgotten about from the 80s. Inverse Genius is sponsored by our incredible Patreons at patreon.com obg. We thank you so very much for your support. You literally keep the podcast rolling. Thanks. Welcome to another episode of Inverse Genius. I am Eric Dewey. You can find me all around the world as Eric, A-Y-R-K, or visit me at ericdewey.com. And today I'm bringing with me one of the best men I've ever heard utter topics of coolness on podcasts, Mr. Brian Counter. Uh, thank you. You're too kind, but
1: thanks. Uh, you <laughs> can you can find me uh, as heymondo at gmail.com, and I'm a sparing user on Twitter, of the old.
0: And I love The Cult of the Old. Thank you, sir. In fact, I'm working hard and trying to create the Brian Counter Award somewhere, somehow. You go for it, whether my name is attached or not. (laughs) Excellent. Well, today we are going to talk about what is arguably the greatest era of music in all times, and that, of course, is the 1980s. Yay! Now, there's a normal tendency for a person to consider the era they grew up with, you know, their teenage years, early 20s, you know, that's the best time for music. And so, you know, our parents were, were, you know, the 50s and the 60s Mm -hmm. were the best music. And, of course, our kids will be like, ah, your music is so old. But truly, you know, the 80s is the best best time for music. And and I say that semi-facetiously. One of the things that was so wonderful about it musically was the fact that the playlists on radios were so incredibly broad. You know, your radio stations had three, four, five times the breadth of playlists that the current radio stations have. So you would hear... You know, in the same hour, you would hear some goofy pop ballad. You would hear some heavy metal. You would hear some rap, uh, all mixed up together, and that and that really exposed you to a lot of different types of music. Mm-hmm. And then the other big issue, the, not issue, the other big aspect of music in the '80s has got to have been MTV. Absolutely. Um, at no point in the in other times, I mean, you could you could look at Beatles and Ed Sullivan and things like that, but I mean, for the better part of a decade. Everybody is watching MTV, and it's shaping tastes, and more importantly, you know, you'd watch it, your friends would be watching it, and then you'd go to school the next day, or or work, or whatever, and you'd be talking about different videos that you saw, and it really just, as as a whole collective, we all sort of enjoyed the same music.
1: Oh, absolutely. I remember when that first came out, and we didn't have cable when we first had it, so we would... uh... Go to friends' houses and watch lots of Laurie Anderson videos, amongst the the and in some Devo and whatever else was on at the beginning. With virtually nothing else, it was still a good time. But then when they started turning music videos into all nights on TBS or TNT or whatever channel that was, we'd go over night flights. Yes, exactly. We'd go over to friends' house to watch the alarm latest alarm video or whatever, and
0: we'd talk about it, have
1: a great time, and that was that
0: was some fun music. It was, and there's actually just as an aside, there's a book. Uh, that came out a couple years ago that sort of chronicled the original VJs and the original MTV era and it was real interesting reading it and sort of reliving a lot of the, the stuff that happened back then and you know Tulsa was lucky enough to be one of the launch cities there's only a handful of cities in the United States that actually had it at launch and uh Tulsa was, and I remember my neighbor actually stayed up to watch it start. I didn't because I didn't think it was any big deal, so <laughs> I went to bed. But you know, the next day everyone's talking about sure. it, and so, and so, and thus it was. And then you suddenly found, uh, you know, what your what your people that you listened to looked like was suddenly important. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's impossible for me to talk about music in the '80s without also talking about the videos, just because the two just went hand in hand. Absolutely, and the big hair. And the big hair. Definitely the big hair. So uh, what we're going to basically be doing is just kind of talk about songs from the 80s that you may have forgotten about, or if you aren't old enough, never heard. Uh, But, uh, you know, just some, some important music that's not your standard, you know, Madonna songs and Michael Jackson songs that you would expect. Sounds good. All right. Do you want to jump in first? Sure. Um, What I did, maybe a little bit different from you, Eric,
1: I went through the top 100 list of Billboard songs because I didn't want to just talk about music that I was interested because no one cares about that necessarily with (laughs) a lot of Peter Gabriel songs and maybe the trans album from uh, Neil Young B-Side. A sample and hold that no one cares about. So I went through the top 100 songs and I selected one with maybe a couple of corollaries off to the side of songs that I really liked in a given year. And these were really hard choices. But uh, I'll start off with 1980s "Cars" by Gary Newman. Ah, uh, great song! Totally bringing in the synth 80s sound with passion. Uh, he doesn't sing very much, and he sings okay, but the groove and the riff on the synth is just outstanding, and I do want to add to the side, this was about one of the last gifts I received on a track uh, and uh, younger people might be scoffing as we speak, but hey, at the time, that's what I had, so uh, it was uh, before cassette tapes, and it was good, and just a really cool synth sound uh, Gary Newman also made. Another song called "Down at the Park," which the Foo Fighters masterfully remade for an X Files corollary soundtrack thing uh, in the nineteen uh, nineties. Uh, really cool song. Any thoughts on "Cars" by Gary Newman?
0: Absolutely, I, d- I did like that song quite a bit. Uh, interestingly enough, later on, Gary Newman went to be a flight instructor after his brief brief turn as a musician. Have you heard the Fear Factory uh, version of "Cars"? I have not. Okay, so in the early 90s, mid 90s, Fear Factory made did a cover of Cars, and so obviously it's a lot more crunchy, but what is awesome about it is that Gary Newman recorded the the chorus on it. Oh, cool. So, half the song is Gary Newman singing. It wasn't them sampling, it was actually bringing Gary Newman in. So, Oh, very good. So, that's the that's the version I I like just cuz it's crunchier, but yeah. It sounds good. Cool. Well, uh, for me in the early 80s, one of the songs that really caught my eye was Aldo Nova's Fantasy. <laughs> it's funny you say that, because
1: I, I would bet money that that was a 70s song, but it must have been early 80s.
0: Yeah, it was like 81, 82. Gotcha. Uh, and so, you know, watching the video, it starts off with him landing, as wearing a leopard, uni- leopard skin unitard, landing <laughs> at some building. He's got the guitar, it shoots a laser out, it opens the door, and then he gets in there and he starts starts playing the song and uh, uh, he this was kind of his only real big hit he had a second up following up hit uh, monkey on your back from his other, second album but he's still he's still playing he's a Canadian pretty respected guitar player but man I just loved Aldo Nova's fantasy he just had such a great crunchy guitar and then uh, you know who knew what he was singing about at the time but it was it was really cool I didn't but the,
1: the riff was cool it was, it was a good tune Definitely. For 1981, I chose While You See a Chance by Steve Winwood, who had been around already in other groups. The voice is amazing, and he just entrenched the 80s synth sound with this song. Just a positive, really cool sound. And, uh, you know, that was about the age I was becoming becoming a teenager and, and, you know, musing over love and interests and all that kind of stuff. So that was was kind of a cool song for me. Uh, Although I will say, uh, here's a good phrase for the 80s. Eric, while well, you see a chance. Don't talk to strangers in the heat of the moment. <laughs> Just walk like an Egyptian and beat it. No kidding. Yeah. You can I mean, you can edit that out if you
0: want. I was I was it, trying it, for it, humor. It was it was there. It wasn't bad. Okay. You know, it was funny. Uh eighty, eighty-one, you had such an interesting mix of music. I mean you like, in the top 100, you know, you've got songs like that. You've got a lot of country carryover. You know, Kenny mm-hmm. Rogers is singing Lady. You've got, uh, uh, who was it, the Oak Ridge Boys singing Elvira. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, who was it, the Love a Rainy Night guy? Uh, Eddie, Eddie Rabbit. Eddie, Eddie Rabbit, you know. And there were still some throwovers uh, from disco. Yep, yep. Blondie's doing The Tide is High mm-hmm. there and, and Rapture, which... That was a good tune, actually. It was a pretty good tune. I'm never not a big fan of Debbie Harry's rapping. No, no, abs- <laughs> I concur. <laughs> you know, for me, '81 it's it's all about sticks and too much time on your hands. Oh, you yes.
1: Know? I remember. Um, I'm aging myself. I remember roller skating happily to, uh, these are the best of times, uh-huh, and yep. uh, doing the scissor skates with with schoolmates, and and that's just got a really cool little guitar intro. But too much time on my hands, we played a lot of air guitar in my basement with my friends to that song.
0: <laughs> I love sticks. So for uh, for roller skating music for us, it was Steve Miller's "Abracadabra," the Steve <laughs> Miller Band's "Abracadabra." That's always playing when we roller skate. Oh,
1: I know. Well, I'm aging myself more because anytime I see, her, anytime I hear "Cool and the Gang's Celebration," it, it mad, automatically in my head I hear "Last All Skate." <laughs> I think that was more seventies I mean, than eighties.
0: Yeah, and this just kind of shows you how how important music is in tying together. You know, smells, sounds, sights—all of those get tied together. Oh, absolutely! And, and some phenomenal memories. Absolutely. Oh, and I forgot about Leo Sayer. More than I can say. That was a song that played all the time. Yes. You want to jump to eighty-two? I guess. Sure.
1: Uh, the song I chose for eighty-two was "I Love Rock and Roll" by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a cool song. A little selfish side story. We we went to the uh, uh, rock, uh, Sci-Fi Hall of Fame out in Seattle, and adjoining to that is a, uh, a place where you can play uh, actual musical instruments in a studio that they recorded for you, and all that kind of stuff. We did "I Love Rock and Roll" with Joan Jett, and uh, I made the mistake of saying I actually play guitar, so she let me actually play the guitar. Now, the <laughs> the, the core the notes for this song are the same three notes as uh, "Smoke on the Water," just in a different progression. And so I started playing, and then I realized after about uh, two bars that I kind of forgot how to play this stupid thing, and I sounded horrid. But then she edited it out and put the uh, studio sounds in, so that was kind
0: of fun. That's cool. And you you uh, can edit that out if you know, if that's boring. No, 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 no. That's great. That's great. Uh, you know. I, the very first concert I ever went to was Daryl Hall and John Oates. It was in the later 80s during their Big Bam Boom tour. But in 82, they really started hitting high with, you know, Private Eyes and I Can't Go for That mm-hmm. and some of those other songs. And I just have, at the time, I didn't realize it, but I love their mix of soul and rock um, music that they just did a great job with. So Yeah, cool. Since we're doing this decade-wise, let's jump to 83. Oh, Oh, one thing. Yes. I forgot one very important song, 1982, Olivia Newton-John's Physical. Oh, dear goodness. <laughs> I didn't know what she was talking about. I didn't quite understand physicality at the time, you know but what? I knew I wanted to do it with her. I, well, see, I'm an anti-blonde kind of person. I, should, I shouldn't
1: I should say that, but uh, not, not a big fan of blondes, but I didn't know what she meant either. But a couple of years later, when I figured that out, I was like, oh, okay then.
0: <laughs> and then watching the video and going, "Oh, yes, exactly." <laughs> that, that burgeoning of of adolescence. There you go. All right, 1983. I've got to jump in here because this this was a year. This made a this made an impact in me. Uh, Cheap Trick released their one on one album, and I didn't really know much about Cheap Trick previously, but they had songs like "If You Want My Love" and "She's Tight," and uh, those two songs just grabbed me and. I was a lukewarm Cheap Trick fan until right around my senior year of high school, which was 88, where Lap of Luxury came out. And then I was just a full-blown fan for them. So, But this is where it all started.
1: Very good. I, I like Cheap Trick, too. I actually saw them live uh, at, at the old, now-defunct Rantoul Air Force Base. That was a good time. And cool. uh, Yeah, it, it's a small world kind of thing. A uh, colleague I used to work with, she's actually French. She grew up in uh, Rockford. And she's friends with one of the guy's wives, and and so it's just just kind of a funny small world thing. They're fun. That is cool. (laughs) Uh, Oh, did you have more on Cheap Trick? Nope. Go on. Uh, For 1983, I did not pick just one, even though uh, Africa by Toto, I I think, defines the 80s for me. If I had to pick one song which represents 80s music, it would be Africa by Toto. The riff is just cool, the the kind of cool drum sounds and, uh, and, and the good singing love 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 the sound uh and even when it's played today i'll sing a little off key to it and it's a good time uh but also during that same year which was really hard to choose there was sticks as mr roboto just an all all around fun stupid thing which kind of broke up the band but that's another story there was <laughs> there was Derek commissar a remake of a, a falco tune i think it was falco
0: Yep, Falco uh, originally did it. And uh, who
1: was, do you know who After did the it? Fire. It was an English That's band right. and they remade it. But you know what? I played the living crap out of that song to annoy my friends because I liked it that much. Uh, <laughs> that was fun. And then uh, Human League's Fascination was really a kickoff. I mean, it was already synthy in the 80s, but once Fascination hit, the Synth was just embedded into the 80s as far as I was concerned, and then of course there's Michael Jackson's Beat It, which I loved the first time I heard it, and then it got so overplayed I grew to dislike it, but I still like hearing it now.
0: Yeah, uh, "Fascination" is actually my favorite Human League f- song, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I realize everyone else loves um, the other one. <laughs> But don't you like Fascination? That's the
1: one. Yeah, no, I like Fascination a fair amount better than the others. So I'm in agreement with you on that.
0: Fantastic. Oh, incidentally, Loverboy hit it big in 83. First album I ever bought was Get Lucky. Oh, very good. All right. Now, 84. All
1: right. For me, I've got one of my favorite songs of all time uh, Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. Yeah, that was, I had that album. That was a good one. I, I lo- that's actually probably one of my most played f- albums front to back, um, you know that I that I've ever had. A couple other songs that I really like from '84 are "Dance Hall Days" by Wang Chung, uh, "All Night Long" by uh, uh, oh, blanking on the name uh, Lionel Richie, okay. and my guilty pleasure Eric from the entire '80s, my guiltiest pleasure, "Round and Round" by Rat. Hey, I mean in- that's not a guilty pleasure. I'm embarrassed <laughs> to say it, but doggone it, I like that song.
0: I like Rat. I like Rat quite a bit. They, but uh, because while they had sort of that stereotypical '80s look and sound, Stephen Piercy's voice was so unique that it really gave them a unique sound. Hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was Wang Chung. Not a big fan of Dance All Days, but I loved the Mosaic
1: album. Cool. And uh, the owner of Only Heart thing. I had been a fan of Yes for years. Uh, you know, Starship Trooper, and I've seen all good people. But when they came out with that 1984 album. Uh, people don't know this about Yes. The uh, one of the guys who did, who started off MTV tie-in uh, was a member of the Buggles, and they kind of had him on as lead singer for a little while, which infuriated the fans. But he helped produce uh, the album 90125. With And then Trevor Rabin joined in and did some amazing guitar work. I actually saw Yes Live when they came here to Champaign, uh, and they did it in the round. The whole stage was rotating in the circular stadium. I was just beside myself. And when Trevor Rabin played the guitar solo called "Sally's Beard, I literally had chills down my spine the entire time. The, the craft work on that song is unbelievable. If you've never heard that song, I'll buy it for you. <laughs>
0: Now, is there a Yes Asia connection, if I remember correctly?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, that's funny you yeah. mentioned that. Uh, I was going to mention that later. Uh, Steve Howe, I believe, that's was right. uh, in Asia, along with the lead singer from Bad Company. Uh, was, was, it, was it Don Rogers? I can't remember the guy's name. But that was the lead singer for Asia,
0: and uh, that was Heat of the Moment, which came out a little
1: another uh, year
0: later. Because I remember uh, one time, this was in the later 80s, maybe even the early 90s, Asia was touring, like, bars. And, and so we were like, oh, man, we want to go see go see them. So we go to the local bar, and uh, they're there, or club, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny, because it was it, – Steve Howe was, guest, was a guest. He wasn't part of Asia. Really? Uh, at the time. But he came out, and he played – you know, the, the whole thing stops and he starts playing. It sounded like flamenco guitar. And, <laughs> and I turned to my buddy. I was like, is he playing flamenco guitar? And then he's like, you might have thought that was flamenco guitar, but really it's... And he starts rambling on about what it really was, and, and uh which was kind of funny. But then the, the keyboardist was the original member of Asia. And he's like, I want to introduce the new members of Asia. And it was everybody else in the band. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> cool. So... Oh, I know the song that I want to talk about, but I don't remember what year it was. But Murray heads chess. Yes, or I'm sorry, Murray heads one night in Bangkok. I knew what you meant. Yeah,
1: that's a great so, song. My, 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 it's one of my wife's favorite songs.
0: Oh yeah, and it's 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 lyrics are surprisingly deep when you're listening mm-hmm. to it. And I assume that chess was a Broadway show. I believe or at least it was a, a show of some mm-hmm. kind. But I mean, as a board gamer, you got to like it, right? It's oh, a absolutely. Rap about chess. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: good enough no that's a great song
0: but yeah it has some really good uh, really good emotion and feel in it and I still remember the the girls in the long white and black jackets dancing on the the chessboard on the video oh, I forgot about that yes alright 85 MTV's in full bore here videos have gotten less weird and more production mm-hmm. Huey Lewis and the news REO Speedwagon are all over the place yep. and uh, Daryl Hall and John Oates Absolutely. out of touch from Big Bamboo.
1: that's a good one that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, for that year, I've got Things Can Only Get Better by Howard Jones. I just uh, love I like that song. Howard Jones. That album uh, That album had uh, more than one hit on it, uh, you know, Look Mama Look and some other songs that are just, just silly fun. They're not deep, but they've got a happy, playful tune that may annoy some, but doggone
0: it, I liked it. And he looks like he's having fun while he's playing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of it there. In fact, I was uh, flipping through the Internet... And there's an app called Pluto TV that just kind of streams all kinds of random stuff you can watch. And they had on some '80s channel like an '80s concert. It looked like in Britain they had a bunch of '80s people come on, and and, uh, this was relatively recently. And Howard Jones was on there, and I watched his his set. And uh, he doesn't have the big hair anymore. He's got the nice, tight, you know, slightly balding like myself (laughs) hair, but he's he still sounds good. Still sounds good. And he's still having fun doing it. That's
1: important. That's cool. I like that.
0: Uh, Sheena Easton kicked out "Strut" and "Sugar Walls," both written by Prince, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, one of those was controversial, but we'll leave that one alone. Uh, I think they both were, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, but uh, she's so pretty, and the songs were so sultry; they just really, really kind of pulled you in.
1: Yeah, see, this is probably and TMI, but that, I was—I found myself very attracted to Sheena Easton. I think that started my my uh, physical attraction to ladies with short hair. Seriously.
0: My ah, so my kids tease me got about Peppantar. this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Animotion had
1: Obsession at this time as well. Absolutely. That almost made my list, and that was like my first honorable mention I didn't mention, but I'm glad you mentioned <laughs> well, excellent. it. Uh, the one-hit wonders. It was great, too. Yeah,
0: they technically were a two- or three-hit wonder, but... Oh, were yeah. they? Sorry, Animotion. Okay, I have the Greatest Hits album, so... It's like, <laughs> oh, because they actually... The, the woman... Uh, Astrid Plain was her name. Left the band, and they had another woman, and then they had another hit, but it sounded slightly different. So, it that sounds like an NPC from an RPG, or it does. It does. It's <laughs> got to not be her original name.
1: <laughs> I'm sure, like Sue Jones or something like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Good year, eighty six.
1: For me, I've got one of my favorite songs, uh, "Sledgehammer" by Peter Gabriel. I would argue that a part of the song's popularity was the kind of cool. Uh, stop motion animation video that he made, which was just stupid fun and I loved that video. I think it won an m t v award or something like that but yeah it was the it was the video of the year i remember that but I love the song, and the album so is kind of top five ever for me uh and uh, just love the song
0: i uh i was much i loved big time in fact from that time on, big time was sort of my my theme music in my head you know i was like this is the song that i'm going to carry with me as i use it to motivate myself to nope. do stuff no, and, and it
1: was cool because um You know, uh, champagne is not like Chicago or even Indy here. It's a college town, but they grabbed Peter Gabriel for a concert. He came here and, and, and even, uh, launched himself into the crowd during the, uh, lay your hands on me song. The crowd went nuts and it was all, all around (laughs) when, uh, that song was pretty popular between that song's popularity and big time, which is popular, uh, the next year. That was just a good time.
0: Definitely. Uh, you know, uh um, who was it that did a dream academy did life in a northern town people make fun of that song and that was a song that's fine you can make fun of it but i just loved the the depth Mm -hmm. in it the musical depth as far as just all the sounds that kind of went through there it's not a song that i would just like crank up the stereo when i heard it but if i was by myself you know i'd really just want to sort of envelop myself in that kind of all the depth of it
1: oh absolutely I was gonna say people
0: made fun of it, but
1: I wasn't one of them. I I am the same way. I like the depth of vo- of the vocals, and uh, and matter of fact, another song you, you hit on something. Another song I liked from that same year was something about you by Level Forty Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's cheesy by other people's standards, but the voices are just uh, beautiful to me.
0: And th- two two other songs I want to talk about. First of all, uh, at this time, Berlin has hit a huge with Take My Breath Away although technically it's Terry Nunn mm-hmm. with Berlin. Uh I was never a big fan of Take My Breath Away um but I did like Berlin's previous album where they had uh Dancing in Berlin and No More Words.
1: Um that was a, No More Words is a great one. I also like Metro.
0: Yeah, Metro is good. And, Metro. If you like Metro, you'll like that whole Pleasure Victim album because almost every song sounds like Metro. <laughs> and then uh, the second, the next album, they had some really great songs on that. Uh, but in this, the, this album where Take My Breath Away was on, even though it was technically on the the Top Gun soundtrack, but that album was was probably my all time favorite Berlin album, and certainly one of my top ten albums. Because at that point Berlin had gone from like a five or six person band down to a three person band. It was Terry Nunn, the drummer, and the guitarist. Okay. And so they just brought in anybody they could to, or anybody who would. So uh, Roger Waters plays a song on one of them. Oh, uh, I did not know that. I love Roger Waters. Oh, and, and it's Pink a Ford. great one. It's called uh, Pink and Velvet. And uh, oh, clever! It goes. It goes. It's one of these really long, sort of ballady songs, and at the end he's just playing everything he can on the guitar and. And uh, so uh, that was uh, Count Three and Pray, I think, is the name of the album. And that was just a a really great album because every song was kind of individually crafted and it just really sounded great.
1: Oh, that's cool. Now, I have to confess, I didn't own any individual Berlin uh, things, but I got the CD of their best hits about when CDs kind of first came out. Mm-hmm.
0: That is a good one. That that actually has a unique song on it uh, with the whistling. I can't think of what it's called now. But anyway. Oh, I- <laughs> yeah. um, the second thing is around this time, I, I stumbled across a band called The Call. And oh, they yes. uh, they uh, had uh, Take uh, Everywhere I Go and um, Let the Day Begin and a few other songs. Uh, oh,
1: wait, 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 I have to stop you there because I have to talk about what their my favorite song of theirs is The River. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, that bass line and drums. And that is one of the three or four songs in my life that I actually played that. Eric, when no one was home, I cranked it up to near near speaker breaking volume, and I played that literally thirty times on infinite repeat. And <laughs> I just, I just got, I just didn't get tired of it. That is such a good line and a good drum beat, and just love that song.
0: That is a great, that is a great song, and that's the great thing about CDs—you didn't have to worry about them wearing out. Yeah, and don't you have a side story related to this? Yeah, and interestingly enough, uh, originally they had one of the guys from, the the keyboardist from the band was in their band uh, for a short period of time and then uh, moved on and then they got the new keyboardist. But yeah, so I I enjoyed them, I liked them, they were neat, and then they kind of faded away. Uh, Years later, like, 10 or 15 years later, my wife for Valentine's Day gives me drum lessons. I always wanted to learn how to play the drums and so she gave me drum lessons and so I go to this guy and he's teaching me how to play drums. Great guy and we're playing and about... Six months of me taking lessons until I finally noticed the call poster on the wall in the in the studio, (laughs) and how the drummer in the call looks very much like the guy who's giving me lessons. And so, it was one of those moments where everything just clicked all of a sudden. I was like,
1: "That's great! Oh my
0: gosh!" And so, Scott Music, the drummer for the call, lives in Tulsa, and he just uh, he was the one that uh, taught me how to play drums, and uh, for years. I we would play drums together and and uh, I go see some of the shows that he would do and we just we still have a good relationship but we just had a a great time and so you know it it really fired back up that love of the call
1: oh that's cool and I mean you know they're just people like the rest of us but that's just a fun story my my son is also a drummer and he takes lessons from a, a local band guy who's kind of popular locally and he's just a dude so but that's a still that's still a cool story that is I love the call
0: that is cool all righty, let's pop over to the 87,
1: shall we? Yeah, and here's my the one time in the entire list of the 80s where I chose the number one song for the year for my favorite <laughs> song. That would be Walk Like an Egyptian by the Bengals. Uh, I love the song. I, the band is great. I love some of their older stuff and the more melodic tunes. Uh, I had a schoolboy crush on not Susanna Hoffs, but the bass player who had uh, Michael Steele, who had a great smooth voice that I still enjoy today. Uh, And I still admire her in any non-creepy fashion and musically. Uh, And just the band was fun. I actually saw them live with House of Freaks opening for them. Uh great show. Just fun fun stuff and walk like an Egyptian is kind of a an ode to them as a band. Uh you know, I know their scene is really poppy and kind of fritzy, but there's some good older stuff in there, September Girls and all kinds of stuff.
0: Yeah, and, and what I hadn't realized and what a lot of people didn't realize it wasn't that Susanna Hoffs wasn't the lead singer. They actually rotated singing quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It's just all the songs they happen to put on, you know, all the videos and all the songs they chose happen to have her singing lead, but uh, I remember yeah. that was a bit of a surprise when I was listening to an album and was like, wait a minute, this is somebody else singing. <laughs> oh yeah, no,
1: Michael Steele's my favorite Bengals singer, although I have to say, if, if I had to pick a, going off topic here, but if I had to pick a favorite Bengals song, it would be Live, and I believe that was done by the drummer, uh, and and uh, not certainly not Susanna Hoffs. I mean, nothing against her, but uh Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is, this is when Wang Chung released Mosaic, and Everybody Have Fun Tonight is the big one. And then Let's Go was a pretty big hit as well. But again, I really liked that album quite a bit. There were some really neat, uh, interesting songs there. But, you know, for the kind of the unique song from that year, um, well, so I've gotten a little bit back into Prince, obviously, since his passing. You Got the Look sure. with him and Sheena Easton was a really, uh, you know, another song that grabbed my attention after I had faded away from Prince. It's mm-hmm. um, a good tune. And almost embarrassed to admit this, but I really like Samantha Fox. Uh, and so I... Oh. I <laughs> we have to stop recording now. I'm I done. I know. I know. <laughs> I can't. There's, you know, ha- I, at least a third of it was due to the music. Uh-huh. But uh, so she had her album up there. Let me move on quickly. It's getting warm in here. Uh, yeah. To Pow did Heart and Soul. And That's a good one. Where the lead singer sort of duets with herself. And uh, that was a really, you know, you got the Star Trek reference for the name, and then you've got this song. And, and uh, it was just the heart and soul song was just such a, such a neat sounding and real different song. Very poppy,
1: yeah. Another Definitely. one I I liked that was Big Time by Gabriel. You've already mentioned yeah. this, yeah. But it actually made the charts not in '86 but in '87, I believe, because the video was a little bit delayed past what Sledgehammer was, and it became it got uh, musical popular at least on Billboard's charts in '87.
0: Yeah. Oh, and you know, Huey Lewis the News. This is something I always thought was kind of interesting. Was that Huey Lewis the News? Obviously was considered this this huge '80s pop band, and they certainly were, uh, but you know, whenever you think of their songs, you typically think of like the Heart of Rock and Roll or the one they did for Back to the Future, you know, there's just like a handful of songs, but you don't, then you start looking at their catalog and realizing they had like eight or ten big hits, like Doing It for My Baby was a was a hit for them here, and, and oh, yeah. I just, I I'm, and Hip to Be Square, which I think is probably going to come a good next one. year. Uh, My and so, personal, I'm but, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, most of my favorite Huey Lewis the New songs are the ones that were just mildly popular, not the super popular ones. Oh,
1: same way with me. My favorite Huey Lewis is uh, I Want a New Drug. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could talk about Ghostbusters and how they allegedly ripped it off. But I still like the song. My wife and I sing Happy to be Stuck with You as a, as a needling, just fun reference. And uh, I, I'm, I used to be in a band, actually. And the one time I sang was back up for the Huey Lewis cover of It's All Right. Oh, cool. And uh, that's a good song. That's a good song.
0: Tell me there's video on YouTube of that. Oh, no. no. <laughs> um, oh, Ready for the World. <laughs> one last one there. Oh, and, well, two, I should say. Ready for the World. Uh, they had a hit with Oh Sheila, and uh, they were sort of a Prince-esque, sort of mm-hmm. funky pop band. And uh, I, just, I just always liked that song. Really great sort of bass riff to it. It was just a fun, funky song.
1: It was funky. And I actually thought, when you said, oh, Sheila, I thought,
0: wasn't that Sheila E? And I was like, no, no, it's not. (laughs) Nope. But, you know, it was all in that same, I don't know. I don't think they were from Minneapolis, but it still had that Minneapolis sound to it. Oh, sure. And then uh, Pseudo Echo released their cover of Funky Town that year. (laughs) um, I remember that. It was so different from, because Funky Town was got to be the disco-esque song I had ever Mm -hmm. heard. Uh, back in 1979, 1980. And Pseudo Echo did it in the 80s, you know, a lot of guitar, still a lot of keyboard, too. And uh, so they an Australian band that did a, did a great job on Funky Town.
1: Oh, I know. If you spin the original version backwards, I think you got Donna Summer out of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. All right, 1988, Guns N' Roses shows up. Uh, cheap Trick hits with the flame. Uh, interesting, great song. Almost all women love it. Tom Vassell, never heard of this song. Never heard this song. I don't know... How he existed without... How do you know that he doesn't
1: know the song as he told you? So, or...
0: <laughs> you know how he's doing those song parodies? Uh, so, mm-hmm. I wrote a song parody uh, based on The Flame about someone who's not taking their turn. And uh, so, I'd send it to him. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that sounds kind of funny. I have no idea what this song is. I was like, you've never heard The Flame? So, I got the karaoke version of that song and I recorded mm-hmm. myself singing it and then listened to it. And it's never been released since. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
1: funny. Uh, my my song from 88 is Desire by U2.
0: Ah, yes. U2 Admit- was everywhere in the 80s. Yes.
1: It, admittedly, this was uh, partially due to my education. I was uh, going into my senior year, the winter of 88, uh, at U of I, and every hockey game, the team, it was, it's, it's a, a club sport, not a... a, 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 a uh, an NCA sport, I believe. I, I don't know what it is right now. But it was a club sport, and they would play that song, and they would come out, and the crowd would go crazy. Uh, not a, game, not a, uh, a venue you want to take your children to with the language, but it was still good hockey fun. Uh, and so th- that song was just kind of a fun memory for me personally. But I do think it's a good song in general.
0: Definitely. I have to point something out. It hurts me a little bit to do it. But I want to point out that Samantha Fox charted higher than uh, your buddies The Bangles with Hazy Shade of Winter that year. Uh, I know, I know. I,
1: I love I, Hazy Shade of Winter. It's about the hardest song I can play in the guitar, but doggone it, the Bengals did a really good re- remake of that song.
0: Definitely. that was That's my favorite Bangles song, is Hazy Shade of Winter. Good one. And I always think of uh, Robert Downey Jr. Coked Up from, was it Less oh, Than yeah. Zero? Less that... Than Zero. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a sad 80s movie, but there you go. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple other songs uh, from 88 I really like. Uh, another song people make fun of, but I don't care, I really like it, is Terrence Trent
0: Darby's Wishing Well. No, it was... That do you was remember that point. one? I definitely okay. remember it. I never got into it as far as it wasn't a song I loved, but it wasn't a song I turned off, so... Fair <laughs> enough. And then there
1: was Pure Energy by Information Society, where they sample some Spock. That's for sure. What's on
0: Your Mind is actually exactly. the, the title of it. Yeah. Oh, I is had it? That. Okay. I bought and that album. I, I taught myself how to dance to that album, actually. Cause see, and this deviates from my usual
1: kind of alt rock sound that I usually don't listen to a whole lot of dance music, but that was my exception because, doggone it, that's just picked you up and made you want to dance.
0: Definitely. And it was just, it was fun and energetic and, uh, and, yeah, and the whole album was like that. It was it was fun. And I loaned it to a girl and never got it back.
1: <laughs> I've, I have lots of albums like that. <laughs> I think the last one I've got for that year uh, that I want to mention is Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. Just soulful, uh, uh, up and down, very sad. Uh, sad song, but really a heartfelt song, and I really like that one.
0: You've Got a Fast Car. White Lion came out. The Weight was a big hit for them in 88 white lion is one of two bands i've seen as opening acts that just totally blew me away and i ran out and bought the album as soon as i you know the next day uh they opened up for kiss and Uh. i mean they just they just played their hearts out and just was an awesome awesome excitement exciting sight i won't say they were better than kiss they were different but they were definitely uh we were just like oh we got to get this album now this is great Oh,
1: that's funny. I uh, I ha- I wasn't into them. However, I will say I don't know what year it was made in, but they did a remake of "Golden Earrings," "Radar Love," which yes. kicks, which kicks, kicks Butarsky, a really good song.
0: That yeah, it's on the, I've got their greatest hits album or, one yeah, I bought that album because of that song because oh, yeah, cool. they cool did just such a great job on it, very good. And then the last year of the eighties, eighty nine. I've got
1: uh, a So Alive by Lovin' Rockets.
0: Oh, yes. I love that song. That is a great choice. Yeah,
1: that, that was, um, again, that was when I was graduating uh, from my undergrad. I listened to a lot of Lovin' and Rockets and some Bed Bugs and Ballyhoo by Echo and the Bunnymen and all that. A <laughs> little bit of a across-the-pond flair mm-hmm. and uh, enjoyed all that stuff. But uh, Lovin' Rockets was good.
0: One of the great things about So Alive is that anybody can sing it. It ranks right up there with... Uh, whip it as, yes. you know, if you were to karaoke this, you don't really have to have a, a vocal range <laughs> to sing it. <laughs> agreed.
1: Agreed. Uh, and the only song I got on the list for 89 was uh, Edie Brickell's What I Am. Yep. It's just kind of melodic and, and sweet and fun.
0: Definitely musical, the future Mrs. Paul Simon. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I don't know if they're still married, but she uh, she was there. You know, this was a this was an interesting year because it was a whole lot of other people, well, there's a lot of heavy metal, of course, but there's a whole lot of people who had already had hits, having more hits this year than sort of new people. Although Paul Abdul did show up with Straight Up, yeah. But you know, you'll see like Gloria Stefan, Phil Collins, Millie Vanilli. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Uh, Sad story, but yeah. Yep. Who do you have for that year, Eric? Uh, you know, I got to give it to Tone Loke with "Wild Thing." <laughs> just
1: okay. you, you just can't
0: but laugh when you're singing that song. No, I know or I Funky know. Cold Medina. Either one of them, they're just equally funny to sing. <laughs> I know. I I
1: was at a, a friend's, a colleague's wedding, and uh, I heard Funky Cold Medina on, and I was. I was out on the dance floor and I, I pulled one of my supervisors aside and made her dance with me for funky cold medina and she threw me a look and I thought, uh oh, I've done something wrong. <laughs> but
0: doggone it it was fun. Absolutely. By the way, yet another year that Samantha Fox hit the top one hundred? I think you're a little obsessed with the Samantha <laughs> Fox, Eric. I just need to I need to uh, you know make it make it right, make it okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Sheena Easton was kind of my looker from the eighties, but there you go.
0: And I will say that Bangles did did chart higher than uh, Samantha Fox that year. Well, oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> and at this point, you know, 89, which is going to be like my sophomore year of college, uh, I actually started to fade away from popular music in the early 90s. I, I paid a little more attention to contemporary Christian music because they were having some interesting, uh, well, non-what I would call uh, candy flossy songs. and It was actually real you know crunchy guitars and some of their music and mm-hmm. and likewise you know I, I i never jumped on the rem bandwagon and and some of the you know i call it complaint rock i just never really sort of got into so for a few years i sort of faded away uh, garbage was probably the band that brought me back into listening to popular music again
1: Gotcha. I um, I deviated a little bit, it kind of towards the mid-90s. Uh, there's a band called Live, which I'm not sure if you've heard of. Mm-hmm. I really like them. I stayed with the alt-rock flavorings. Uh, I did get into a little Pearl Jam, uh, though I found the grunge scene a little bit over the top. I still liked it musically a little bit, but I, I got tired of the complaints. I'm, I'm not there sh- sure if
0: that's what you're talking about. Yeah, that would be the complaint rock. <laughs>
1: yeah, and then, uh but I did, you know, f- for more modern flair as we, we progress into the 90s, I really picked up on Foo Fighters, uh, and there's a band called Soul Coughing, which is very quirky at best, and it's almost like spoken word, but doggone it, the music's kind of fun.
0: Yeah, I... uh I ended up in the mid to late 90s, I really started getting into a lot of the female-fronted bands, you know, Liz Fair and and uh, uh, Republica and, and uh, Elastica and all those kinds of bands that sort of all seemed to be female. It wasn't so much that they were female-led, but they just happened to all be at the time, and so I, sure. I got into a lot of that music, too.
1: Yeah, and then, like, after 95, I was I was already married, but then had kids, and your focus changes, yep. and my music collection went into the tubes as far as buying new stuff, and what do you know, the boy bands came out in ruined rock, so I really didn't uh, like it was a whole a good lot time. of music after.
0: <laughs> it was a good time to, to segue out. Yeah. I remember... Um... My wife and I bought, this is pre-kids, we bought Duran Duran's Greatest Hits album, and we had the old five CD changer, and we put that in there, and that album stayed in that CD changer literally all year. We'd put other things in there, and Mm -hmm. it would shuffle around a lot, but Duran Duran's Greatest Hits was like 18 songs that were just all fantastic.
1: (laughs) Good enough. Good enough. Cool.
0: Well, I had a lot of fun walking down memory lane here, and hopefully a lot of listeners will have enjoyed it as well. But uh, if not, feel free to comment and let us know and tell us what 80s song we should have talked about that we did. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Well, Brian, I appreciate you joining me and and, uh, chatting with me. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Cool. Well, I'm Eric Dewey. And I'm Brian Counter. And you've been listening to the Inverse Genius Podcast. Thanks that's it for this episode of the inverse genius podcast the inverse genius podcast is licensed under creative commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives 3.0 license thank you